Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. It is great to be uh, back. I was back last Sunday from the sabbatical, but, but back in, in a fresh way. That was Labor Day weekend. Some folks were in and out. I know more folks are starting to gather today. And of course, we're back at our 1055 time for worship and just grateful that um, we can come together and worship the Lord as we, as we kick off into this fall season uh, together. Uh, before we, we, we settle in our, our hearts and minds to uh, receive the prelude and, and, and worship uh, the Lord in that way, I invite you to actually just stand and say hello to a person or two around you or across the way. Uh, finding your seats again. Together we will prepare our hearts and minds to worship the living God.
Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. God calls us to worship in spirit and in truth. I invite you to stand in body or spirit and join with me as we call ourselves to worship this great God. God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, 
which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 96th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is September the 8th, 2019, and today's broadcast is number 4,958. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled Back to School, will be delivered by Reverend Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, and H. Carson Ryan, Jr., former Executive Presbyter of the Presbytery of the James. <coughs> our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is Sing Praise to God Who Reigns Above, which is number 15 in the hymn book. sing so well that we are to praise God and give God thanks and to God be all the praise and glory and yet many times the lives we live don't reflect the words we say but the good news of the gospel is if we're willing to be honest with our God and admit our sinfulness God is ready to change us and allow our lives to be in sync with what we say so claim that promise and join with me as we pray our prayer of confession this morning, seeking God's grace and God's forgiveness as we live a new life. Let us pray together. 
Lord, you come to us, but we fail to recognize you. You call, but we hesitate to follow. You show us how to carry out your mission, but still we insist on our own. You emptied yourself, suffered, and died for the sake of all, but still we cling to our ways. Forgive us and embolden us, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The good news is that God, through Christ, has emboldened us, and he has forgiven us, and he has indeed given us a new life. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ your sin is forgiven and your life redeemed. To God be the praise and the glory. Amen. be seated. It is that time of the year when a lot of folks go back to school. Some folks have gone back to school two, three, four weeks ago. Some went back this past week. Some are just about to go back, but it is that season. And in a moment, we really want to bless some of you that are in that transition moment. And, and, and what the invitation will be is for some of you to stand right where you are, and, and, and I'll offer a prayer of blessing over you. And the, the folks that I'm mindful of, especially today, are, are any students who are here. Students are going back to school at any age, but you're going back to school somewhere. And, or teachers. Teachers out in the community, teachers out in the school system, professors, tutors. If that's you, you're a teacher in some capacity like that. Or you're a teacher here at Grace Covenant. You're a teacher for our children, our adults, for a Bible study, for a circle. Teachers as well, students and teachers of those various folks. I would invite you, if you're one of those in this particular season, to just stand. You're not coming forward. Just stand. And we're going to offer a prayer of blessing over you. Let us pray. Our great teacher, we give you thanks for teaching us and leading us in the way of life and love. And in this moment, we give you special thanks for the teachers and students in our midst. We give thanks for the call you have placed upon their lives this season. We pray for our students, our youngest ones, our oldest ones, those learning here in the church, those learning in their respective schools. In all things, we pray you'd help ease their transition into class. You would open space in their hearts and the hearts of other students that old friendships might be deepened and new ones might be made. We pray that you would prompt within them a deep curiosity to learn and grow and discover their God-given gifts. For our teachers, those here at the church, those serving in and around the, the schools and other areas of Richmond, may they know your abiding peace and strength and compassion and love. These first few weeks are always so full, overly full. And so I pray that you would guard their hearts and minds and health, that they might navigate the new year in transitions with grace and surprising strength because of your faithfulness through them. 
Finally, enable your students and teachers alike to learn most fundamentally new insights about what it is to love you with all of their heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love their neighbor as themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and hopefully some of you got to see some of those teachers and students in our midst and, and can just offer them your own encouragement uh, later today. At this time, I would invite some of our youngest students to join one of our teachers. Uh, Reverend Nelson Reevely is meeting the children by the front door here for Children's Chapel, and, and those children's uh, second grade and younger are, are welcome to head on out for that. open our lives that we might hear this word and that word might indeed touch us and change us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Old Testament lesson this morning is from a portion of Psalm 27. We're told that King David wrote this psalm but they don't believe he wrote it all at one time and you'll notice a change in the tone of it after about the sixth verse uh, he's very positive and upbeat in the first half of the psalm, and then things begin to get a little difficult for him. And so I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to Psalm 27. We're reading verses 4 through 9 this morning as our um, Old Testament lesson, and you'll notice a little shift in about verse 7. Listen now for God's word. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around about me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Thou hast said, Seek ye my face. My heart says to thee, Thy face, Lord, do I seek. So hide not thy face from me. Turn not thy servant away in anger, thou who hast been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our New Testament reading comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. A little context for today's passage. Last week, if you were here, uh, we kicked into uh, the Gospel of Matthew together, walking alongside Jesus, starting in Matthew 3, the first time we see Jesus as as an adult on the scene. And he's baptized, and, and he speaks his first words in the entire Gospel. Let this baptism happen to me so that I may do the will of God. And then we move in today to Matthew 4, where where Jesus has recently moved to Galilee in this small town of Capernaum in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali. Now those names may mean next to nothing to, to many of us, but Matthew goes on to explain, Jesus has moved here early in his ministry, quote, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And many years ago, the prophet Isaiah said this, and Matthew records it in his gospel, land of Zebulon, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Two key things are said about those lands where Jesus has just moved at the very beginning of his ministry. These are lands that are living in darkness. And indeed, in Jesus' day, they were held under oppressive Roman rule and occupation uh, with an extraordinarily high taxation system. So that, for instance, if you were a fisher, you fished simply to live and scrape by because any measure of profit was swallowed under those taxes. And these were lands, uh, though they were living in darkness, that were the same places that are to receive a great light dawning upon them. It practically begs the question, well then what does it look like when the light starts to dawn on these lands where Jesus has just moved? It's as if on cue, Matthew continues with the answer. Here now, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, the dawning of light upon a land living in the shadow of death. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And Jesus went from there and he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately, They left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Matthew kind of sets us up at the out, earlier in chapter 4 to be looking for some kind of glorious light breaking upon the darkness. It's, it's, it's prophetic. It's almost epic what we're looking for. And I think part of what strikes me about this story in Matthew 4, verses 18 to 22 that I just read is it's just the absolute ordinariness of what happens next. Peter and Andrew are casting a net into the sea, and then Matthew adds, for they were fishermen. As if Matthew just wants to underscore how absolutely ordinary, routine, everyday this all is. They fish to eat, they fish to feed their family, they fish, this is what they do. James, John, and their father Zebedee, they were mending their nets. This is not a story of people crying out to God on their deathbed. Not of people tortured by their addiction, calling out to God for mercy. 
This is not a story of of people crying in desperation, having lost their job or their home or their loved one. There's no crisis. There's no presenting disaster. It's it's the light of the world walking right into one of those sort of fine, good, routine days where you're doing what you do. The commute, the job, the, the emails, the school, the getting the kids here or there, the groceries, the doctor appointment, the spreadsheets, the meetings. And what does Jesus do when he walks right into the rhythm and the routine? Well, he disrupts it. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. In rabbinic speech, follow me was a summons. Become my student, my apprentice, come to my school, live with me. It really was a whole life immersion in learning from, studying with, and always following the teacher. It meant leaving behind not just bad things, but in fact good central things. Job, family. Of course, it meant going towards something as well. Jesus goes on, I'll make you fishers, fishers of people. And I think people sometimes worry about that line from Jesus because honestly, at first glance, it really does sound a bit like Jesus is calling them to sort of bait, lure, and, and hook unsuspecting people onto something they want nothing of. The truth is, Jesus is just using fishermen's vernacular to sort of speak at their level, essentially saying, I'm going to make you the kind of people who change lives for good. Or as theologian Dale Bruner puts it in his commentary, Jesus' promise is to make the disciples, quote, effective and influential with people by teaching the way of love. And if you think about it, that's actually something all of us want pretty deeply. You think about your relationships with your, your children or parents or family or friends, your work, the city, your enemies. Absolutely, by way of love, we want to be effective and influential. Absolutely, we want to make a genuinely good difference. This is a God-given ache. Follow me. I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they put down their nets and followed If you've heard this story before, I think oftentimes we marvel at what they leave behind. Jobs, family, uh, the most important, good, central, stable things, and it's stunning. I will add, it's, it's equally stunning that they would leave a situation where they're the expert in their field. They know how to do it. They know the rhythms. They know how it should go. They know how to fix it, mend the nets if it's broken. They leave that that they might go back to school and become students again. I mean, have you you ever gone back to school? One of the main things I did on on my sabbatical was, was take a Spanish class each day for about a month while we were in San Miguel, Mexico. I didn't grow up taking Spanish. I opted for French back in high school. And other than learning a few Spanish phrases here and there over the years, most especially when I joined a team from Grace Covenant in 2015 to take a a trip to Honduras, uh, I really don't know Spanish. In fact, I took the placement test there in in San Miguel, and I understood almost nothing on the piece of paper in front of me, which, which placed me happily, squarely, in level one. 
As it turned out, the level one class at the time I was available to take it had nobody else in it. It was just me and me professora, Roman. And actually, I, I proved a quick learner with the vocabulary and the verb conjugation in the workbook we were using because uh, these concepts and the words didn't look all that dissimilar from French. And Roman, he, he caught on to this. He commended me and he said after a few days that he was going to switch how the class was being run. We would begin using the workbook a lot less. Instead, we were going to practice a lot of listening and speaking. Now, if you've ever studied a foreign language, you know that it is one thing to memorize words, and that, that, that takes some effort, wholly another to hear full sentences and paragraphs, understand them, and, and then start trying to say something of meaning back. He'd begin each day, ¿Cómo estás? Oh, bien, ¿y usted? Oh, muy bien, Bobby. Gracias. And then he'd ask something different, but fairly simple every day, like, what did you do this morning before class? in Spanish. And there would be this incredibly prolonged silence that would descend upon the class. At first, most of the time, I, I really wasn't even sure what he was asking. It just sounded so fast. It was so different from my Duolingo app on my phone that just gently speaks the Spanish. I confess, initially, I sometimes would respond to Roman in French. Which sounds ridiculous, but I just wanted to show I was not totally brainless and slow and inept. <laughs> Eventually, I started to ask him to repeat what he said, clarify, simplify it, if at all possible. Going back to school is humbling. Perhaps especially when the most critical thing you're supposed to learn really sounds quite basic. Listening understanding, and speaking. And the truth is, when Jesus calls us to follow him, it is most fundamentally an invitation not simply to know more information or to memorize all the words and right words and creeds. Familiarity with the language of God absolutely has, has a significant place. But, but most fundamentally, follow me is an invitation to learn how to hear and understand and speak. It's an invitation to learn how to discern the voice of Jesus amidst all the other competing voices around us. An invitation to grow in understanding his language of love and justice that can sound, quite frankly, so foreign to most of the ways we speak and act and learn to work in this world. It's an inv invitation eventually even to be the mouthpiece and action of the language of the kingdom of God. And it starts always with a summons to go humbly back to school. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they will no longer be the experts. They leave to spend considerable time just listening, which is part of why that famous Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives actually follows quickly upon our scene today. Training begins with listening. New language acquisition is not easy or, or quick. But how beautiful when we, we start to grow in our ability with a language. When we order our first meal in a restaurant and it's almost like it's natural minus the just horrendous accent. 
when we have our first mini conversation with a store clerk in their language. It's kind of invigorating. there's, There's a spark, there's an energy. And how beautiful when in the most ordinary of scenes, the most ordinary of days, amid all the competing voices and rhythms, we begin to learn how to discern the voice of Jesus walking right in our midst. And we even start to understand. More, we we even begin risking sitting down one good thing, one stable thing. Because for such a time as this, the, the lead of love is moving this way. You know, I, I think of two years ago, this very week, a rally was being planned over at Lee's Circle where some of you remember a group from Tennessee planned to come with, with guns and stand at the circle and, 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 and uh, make their statement and counter-protesters began to rally to, to make their statement. And, and this church, being right next to the monument, had to discern what, if anything, we'd do on that Saturday of the rally that would inevitably have quite a few varied folks right outside the, the front doors. We'd, we'd just seen what happened in Charlottesville a month ago, and, and so there was a good bit of, of debate about what a wise, loving, good, thoughtful way forward would, would be. And there weren't easy answers. I mean, do, do we open any doors on, on that Saturday for, for care or, or prayer? Should someone need it? Um, do, do, we, do we keep that closed and do something else and, and avoid harm either to this space or someone in this space? The session had some open forums with you all, the congregation, and here are thoughts, and there were a lot of different uh, perspectives, and then the session met to th- themselves, uh, because certainly that is their call, is to discern how God is calling for such a time as this, and, and I'll never forget the meeting where the session gathered for, for that decision, and, and sort of the gravitas of, uh, the, that was collectively felt as, as they gathered around the, the table. I'll also never forget early in the meeting when uh, one of the elders, Dana McKnight, spoke up. And upon, he said, upon first hearing about this planned rally right, right in front, Dana said, quote, my initial reaction was annoyance and then anger. In fact, in a reflection that he wrote and shared with this congregation in worship two years ago, he said to you all, quote, I immediately thought of the dangers inherent in the churches being in, in the vicinity, vicinity of potential violence, and my thought was that it would be best uh, to do nothing, to He went on to share that, that, he, that, that he did um, go to his Bible, and he was praying through Psalm 91. The beginning there, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And he listened for God to speak through the word God promises to speak through. God, what does the language of your kingdom have to say? And he inclined his ear to sort of parse that sometimes almost foreign sounding language to our natural rhythms and ways. I'll add that it's at these kind of moments, if you've known what it is to discern a a difficult or trying decision or direction, that we are most likely tempted to respond in French. To respond with a language we're comfortable with. In a way where we can feel competent and control with whatever we need to discern. How often we can short-circuit the language-learning discernment process by trying to fall back on the familiar language. Dana pressed through that, and actually he, he just kept listening for the voice of Jesus in still other parts of Scripture, because again, this listening, this language acquisition, it, it can be trying, it can 
take time. And, and, he, and he said, quote, yeah, I thought of Moses who heard a call from God and reply, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? To which God replied, but I will be with you. I thought of Jonah, Dana went on, who fled to Tarshish rather than obey the summons of God, only to, in the end, be doing the will of God. He just sort of was sharing his process for, for, for listening for Jesus, walking along in the ordinary days to speak a word, even as a very real darkness seemed to cover the land in those days right after Charlottesville. He finally went on in that meeting and, and, he, and he said to the session that night, and so... I can't believe this is about to come out of my mouth. Which was his saying, way of saying, this makes no sense coming from a person who thought, as he did a month ago, this is like speaking a different language. What I'm about to say entails more risk, not less, more questions, not less, but still summarily, I think we should open in some capacity for prayer in the midst of the rally. The, the clincher for him was he just thought about maybe some college students who are young and don't know a lot, a lot and they're showing up for a rally for the first time. Maybe something gets out of hand. Maybe something goes wrong. I just can't imagine not being able to offer a space for prayer should even one need it. A God-given ache to be effective and influential by way of love. Right as he finished... He discovered others in that session room, quite surprisingly, had sensed the Holy Spirit saying very kind of similar things. And it scared everyone in the room a little bit. It amazed everyone in the room a little bit. It always does when one finds a glimpse of shared clarity around a foreign language. I mean, ultimately, as, as you may remember, the session voted to have the sanctuary uh, available for prayer with different leaders from different congregations right in our vicinity um, hosting an hour of prayer each day through the each hour through the rally and the police cooperatively uh, assisting actually with the effort and as you may also recall the verdict of that particular day in Richmond was nothing really happened I and mean, praise be to God some folks rallied some folks protested nothing got out of hand most everyone kind of dispersed after a couple hours I could imagine that may have been the verdict in the Roman Empire on the day when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, James and John. Nothing really historical or, or memorable or huge happened that day. Ordinary day, largely forgotten in history. These moments never make the press because language acquisition takes so much time and patience and humility and practice before the fruit of it is known. And yet these moments when Jesus calls and disciples humble themselves unto language school, they do get recorded in Holy Scripture and they're never forgotten in the kingdom of God. Because it's precisely these ordinary moments wherein Jesus confronts the darkness that covers the land. For Jesus knows if he raises up disciples, if he raises up people willing to follow him in the way of love and justice at every turn of their life, if he can raise up a people who are absolutely fluent in that kingdom language and way, the light shall dawn, shall break into the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. I mean, goodness, look at the church today. From that inception of four so long ago. They say you know that a language is really starting to take root when you dream in that language. What are your dreams for your life? 
for your family, for this congregation, for this city, for this nation, for this world? How are those dreams shaped and informed by the language of Jesus? Perhaps some of us have some answers, and, and perhaps some of us, since we need to join some of the other students and teachers in the room this fall and ourselves, go back to school. And good thing, Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount next Sunday. I look forward to it. And really the truth is, once a disciple, always a disciple. Following Jesus is a lifelong learning course. And God knows that. And so God is quite faithful and God's part of the process, which means you can be sure that right now, God is currently actively teaching. School is in session. And so as you scan your ordinary day, your routines and your rhythms, the church's routines and the church's rhythms, where do you hear the voice of Jesus? Where is there a call to shift or move, or let go, even if perhaps a good thing, that we might follow the lead of love for such a time as this. Where do you hear those simple light dawning upon darkness words, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. And if any part of you feels like I did sitting in Spanish class wondering what is being said to you, if we're hearing things rightly, how to respond, you can do what I quite often did and just ask the teacher again. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you are faithful to speak to us, to keep teaching, to keep calling us back to yourself with that most basic summons, follow me. And I will make you effective and influential by way of love with people. But we confess as we scan our lives and scan this church and scan this world, we are having a hard time discerning precisely how you call us to follow in this moment, this time. We confess, actually, we're far more adept at understanding the language of self-preservation or the language of success or the language of fear or the language of anxiety. These promptings can so easily lead our path. But in this ordinary moment, we sense your nearness again and we ache to hear the language and voice of love. Could you speak patiently and openly at our level that we might understand. And if you are calling us to let go of something or to shift something or to leave something or to reorder something, pour out not only understanding upon our hearts but courage and trust and love. Help us, your church, become utterly fluent in the language and ways of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Having prayed and asked God to speak, we respond by way of a hymn where, it, where the, the words are written in a way that it, it's, it's really as if God is then speaking in return to us. I, I really invite you as you sing this to listen closely for the living God. Let us stand together. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled Back to School, which was delivered by Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing, Will You Come and Follow Me, which is printed in the bulletin.
Let's also respond by declaring what it is we believe as God's people, as together we share our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. It truly is a gift when we're able to come together and to offer prayers to God. And I invite you to think about this past week in your own life, and particularly in the life of this country with the hurricane and the devastation, and of things that God may be touching your heart about as we join together in our prayer this morning so that we might hear God's calling to us in God's direction. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise and honor that we can call you our God, that you have called us to be your servants, that you've called us to be disciples and to be disciplined in the ways of your world. We ask, O oh God, that as we come and give thanks and praise this day, your spirit continues to feed us and gives us hope, particularly in the midst of a world that finds itself in such devastation. Our hearts hurt for the people that have gone through the devastation this past week with a hurricane, with the mighty power that it had, with the lives that were lost, with the destruction and devastation. Oh God, be with the people in the Bahamas, be with the people on the Atlantic coast, be with us to see how we might make a difference and reach out to those that may need our support. At least allow us, O oh God, to pray for these people and to give them a sense of hope and a future, to give them a sense that there is a brighter tomorrow, to give them a sense not of despair, but of possibilities that even in the midst of an incredible storm, you're able to make things miraculous. We also pray, O oh God, for this, your world a world that finds itself in such turmoil and such difficulty and in wars and in rumors of wars. We pray for our leaders in this country and around the world. We pray for their words that they say, that they may be tempered in a way that will build up and not tear down, that will help make whole and not divide, that will help make peace and not schism. Gracious God, Touch their hearts and allow them to see possibilities for leadership in this, your broken world. But on this Discipleship Sunday, O oh God, we also pray for ourselves. We pray for those decisions that face us this week. We pray about those relationships that are troubled in our lives. We pray about the fact of not sure what you're calling us to do. And we pray that our eyes might be open, that in the midst of the ordinariness of life, we can behold your presence. 
and in your presence see a new way. Use a new language. Live a new life that's not for us, but for you. That's not about what I want, but about what you're calling me to do. It's not about being self-serving, but being a servant of God. Praise and honor and glory to you, O God, this day for that privilege that we have to take that risk and to reach out in a way we never thought we could, but we can because of your leadership. Praise and honor and glory to you, O God, for a new life that we have in Jesus Christ and that we have every day that we give you our worship and our spirit. Answer our prayers, O God, in the way that you see fit and give us understanding of how you would call us to live. For these prayers are made in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us that when we pray with one another, we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we discern the ways Jesus is calling us to follow, let me just highlight a Two or three things going on in the life of the congregation that, that may be part of that for you. Uh, know that starting uh, this Tuesday, our two women's circles kick back. Our uh, one circle will be here at the church uh, in the um, social room at 10 a.m. And the other one up in room 212 at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. You can read details about what's being studied in your bulletin. But know those kick back on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday... Wednesday night supper starts back at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Uh, apologies, the menu's not quite in there uh, in this bulletin, but we will have it out in the Covenant Connection so you'll know what is coming for that. Uh, finally, we're, we kicked into Sunday school this morning. Uh, Sunday school will certainly be happening 9.30 next week and the week after, and those two Sundays will be a combined opportunity to uh, hear some reflections I'll be offering on, on this uh, recent sabbatical over the summer and look forward to being able to share that with you. And then uh, those of you parents, just know that the parents' night out, the next one is coming up on Saturday, uh, September 25th. First, and that you can begin getting RSVPs in for that, even on your communication card, if, if that's easiest. Uh, mentioning communication cards, a reminder, you, you have those in your bulletin. I do invite that you would fill that out. Let us know you're here. Uh, let us know if there are specific ways to be praying with you or, or giving thanks alongside you, and the care team will honor that certainly uh, this coming week. And as well, the offering plate is coming around as, as you discern uh, how part of your, your follow me involves uh, a stewarding with generosity that which God has entrusted to you. Give now as you are led.
most gracious God. Thank you that you have come to us amidst our genuine fears and our very real failings, our doubts and our contradictions, our sense that we should be more, that we should do more, that we we could have done better. You, You come in the midst of all the mess and contradictions and also all of the gifts and the hopes, and you summon us by your grace. You give us life. You lead us. You remake us. Take these, our gifts, our offerings, as expressions of our gratitude for your love. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You are also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening for Wednesday night suppers, which resume this Wednesday, September the 11th at 6 p.m. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 on your AM dial, 97.7 on your FM dial. Reminder, as always, we will have food and drinks and fellowship just down the hallway in our social room immediately after this service. I look forward to seeing you there. School is in session, and the teacher is faithful. As you scan the ordinary rhythms and routines of your life, can you hear him call, follow me? And I will make you fishers of people. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit hold you and keep you and pour out all measure of patience and humility upon you as you acquire kingdom language. Amen.